I would invite you to take out your Bible this morning as we turn to the Lord in prayer and open to the book of Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah chapter 63, as we continue to work through just various prayers of the Bible, some that often get overlooked, uh, that we, we almost don't, we will read right through and not even see them as a prayer or see them as a prayer that have been preserved for us to pray to the Lord because they certainly reflect uh, the context of the prayer, reflects the context in our own life, and it reflects a, a, a prayer that we can pray to the Lord. So as we look together this morning, Isaiah chapter 63, we'll be reading this morning from verse 15 through chapter 64, verse 12. Listen to the prayer of Isaiah. Look down from heaven and see, from your holy and beautiful habitation. Where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. For you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from of old is your name. O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our heart so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people held possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We've become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down the mountains, quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you are angry and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There's no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praised you has been burned by fire. And our, all our pleasant places have become ruins. Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? Well, as we look at this prayer of Isaiah the prophet, obviously his heart is broken over the condition of the people of God. The people of God have backslidden. They have drifted away from the God of the Bible. They've drifted away from faithfulness to Him. 
in their daily lives, God has become not enough. In their daily lives, God is no longer central to their living, to their thinking, to their breathing. When they're making decisions, God is not the, the driving force. As it stands, the people of God are taking God far too lightly. Now, they wouldn't say that. They would say, what are you talking about, Isaiah? We we think about God all the time. We worship all the time. We're very faithful. We go to the temple. We worship. We we gather. What are you talking? They wouldn't see this. But Isaiah the prophet, he knows that the people of God have taken God lightly. As though God exists for them, for, to help them, as opposed to them existing for God. They've become too comfortable with God. They've treated God with contempt, taken him too lightly, to the point of forgetting who this God is. And so with this burden upon his heart, Isaiah turns to the Lord in prayer. And and he's reflecting on who God is, upon God's covenant faithfulness to this people down through the ages. How he had made a covenant promise to them, to their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph, to so on and so forth. And God had been faithful to those covenant promises. How God had been compassionate and merciful to this people when they had been uncompassionate and unloving toward God, unfaithful towards him. He's reflecting upon in the past how God had shown love and pity. How he'd redeemed them, even when they didn't deserve it. When they were in in bondage in Egypt and God pulled them out and saved them by grace, they didn't deserve it then. Every step of the way, God has been super abundantly kind and gracious and merciful and loving and faithful to this people. Yet this people have continually grieved him, drifted from him. Now, they've been religious. They've kept their religious duties. But their hearts have not been devoted to the Lord. And so what has gone wrong? Well, Isaiah's prayer kind of tells us the story. In Isaiah chapter 63 that we read, verse, verse, um, verse 15, where we began, he asks the question, where is your zeal and your might? You're stirring of your inner parts and your mercies toward me. He's praying this to God. God, he's not angry with God, but he's heartbroken because he sees what God sees. Now, the people don't see it. The people think Isaiah's crazy. They think Isaiah has gone, he's making things harder than they need to be. But Isaiah sees what God sees, and he's begging God, why are you not doing something about this? Why are you not more active and turning around the wretched state of backslidden your people, your backslidden people. And then in verse 16, he appeals to God on the basis of his covenant promise. For you are our father through Abraham, though Abraham doesn't know us and Israel doesn't acknowledge us. But he's acknowledging you have devoted yourself to us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But you made a promise to our fathers to be our Father, to be our Redeemer. And then in verse 17, in light of this, O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways? He's asking God, why do you let your people stray? Why do you let them harden their hearts towards you? And they're cold towards you. 
and allow them to live in a state where they wouldn't, they wouldn't agree that they're hardened towards you because they're so active and because they're doing things, but you know their heart is not where it needs to be. And then in light of that, in verse 17, he prays this, return for the sake of your servants. The very last, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people held possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled, but he's praying for the active presence of God. Lord, you come. The only thing that will awaken your people to who you are and how lightly they have taken you is for you to come and allow them to see you. And Isaiah is heartbroken here. The church has become just like the world. Look at verse 19. Now again, the church in that day wouldn't have agreed with this. But this is what Isaiah says. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled. Like those who are not called by your name. Now we are your people by grace because of your faithfulness. But when you look at the hearts of these people, we live as those who have never known your name, who've never known your love, who've never known your grace. There is nothing distinguishable about us that's any different from anybody else in the world. So we gather together on the Lord's day to worship. Well, everybody else in the world gathers on their worship day to worship their idols. It may be on a different day of the week. Just gathering together as the people of God is not a distinguishing or a defining characteristic of the people of God. It's we gather together with a heart that is devoted to the Lord. And so in chapter 64, Isaiah, after outlining the kind of the condition of the, the church in his day, he begs God, chapter 64, verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. It's exactly what he said previously. The only thing that can awaken this slumber is you. Isaiah says, I can't preach enough sermons. We can't be, there, there's nothing we can do. You can take it and you can make it work, but ultimately what this people needs is a greater vision of you. They need to see you. They need to know you. We need you to rend the heavens. Not just show it. We need you to come down. To come down to us. And then he prays various petitions there in chapter 64. He prays specifically on the basis in verses 3 through 5, God's character. God, come down because you are faithful. Because you're a God of your faithfulness and you are good. You've shown us faithfulness in the past. You've been our help in the past. Everything we've done in the past, when we look up, up, back upon our history, anything good about us is because you have met us where we are. And now in our present condition, we're asking you, you've been our help in the past, be our help now. You come and do what only you can do. And then he goes on to pray. In verses 6 through 7, he just lays out, Lord, we are needy. We're needy. Verse 6, we have all become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Do you see what Isaiah is saying? Even the good things we do in the name of religion, we gather together, you know they're polluted garments. You don't take any, any 
joy in just the, the people of God gathering together with hearts that are not truly seeking you. This is corruption. This is pollution. And so out of our desperate need, don't abandon us. But rather you come, give us the only thing that can change our hearts, you. In verse 8, he prays for mercy. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. No excuses, no blame shifting. He just simply lays out unconditional surrender to God and he pleads. Would you be merciful to us? In the past, you've been merciful to us. Would you do it again? And then in verses 9 through 12, he seeks forgiveness. Lord, we are a religious bunch, but our hearts are not where they need to be. And so we seek forgiveness. Forgive us that we have taken you lightly. Forgive us that we have not treated you as you deserve. We've not given you the worship you're worthy of. You've not taken that central place in our lives, that we have drifted from you. It's a prayer of repentance. Why is this, it sounds so overwhelming. Why is this a legitimate prayer for the church of Jesus Christ to pray today? Jake, are you saying that, that this is us today? I think it's every church today. Remember when Jesus walks the seven churches in Asia Minor? There wasn't a one that was perfect. Now there were two that he said, right now as I stand here in front of you, things are looking pretty good, but you're not a perfect church. Continue what you're doing. But as he walked those seven churches, what were the things that he was exposing in the life of every church? Those seven churches, symbolic of every church in every age. Idolatry, drifting away from the Lord, compromise, worldliness, False teaching, taking Christ too lightly. Would those seven churches, were those seven churches appalled by Christ's diagnosis of their church? You better believe they were. Everyone likes to believe you're talking about somebody else, not us. But what Jesus is getting at, as long as the people of God are on this side of eternity, there's always the reality of sin and drift and worldliness and compromise that we are constantly battling. And the same is true for us this morning. And so we echo the words of Isaiah the prophet here. Lord, rend the heavens. We need you. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want hearts to be captivated by you. We own up. Yes, we have drifted. Yes, you are not central. There may be moments where you are, but by you, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've been our help in ages past. You're our hope for our present condition right now. Give us yourself. Show us Jesus.